We always have to be careful of that loose nut behind the driver. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear to places to dive and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 382 is recorded live September 20th, 2018. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan. <coughs> I'm trying to fight this crud before the fall gets going too far. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. And uh, you don't need to get that cough as we got to dive Saturday. I know. That's what I was worried about. My ear. You know, here I haven't been in the water for several weeks now. And then just yesterday, my ear's starting to bother me, and I'm thinking, gosh, I'm hoping I can get it cleared up before, well, it's less than 48 hours at this point, so we'll just have to see. I'm I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. Well, if nothing else, you can snorkel and do the shower. Yeah, I could do that. Actually, we were talking about that today, that the report, you know, we got a dive meeting and other people, four foot on the surface, visibility down current only ripping like down by the railroad track i am really interested to dive the priest you know that big channel that goes under the bridge mm-hmm. on the right and then the, the clay bank areas on the left so all the debris has really been washed down so i'm hoping some of that stuff filled in that big hole yeah so for the person down there may have a honey hole yeah for the, for the listeners who were we seem to be jumping right in the middle of a, a conversation you've missed out on we're talking about the Michigan Underwater Dive Club, I guess we can call it annual now. We've been doing it for a few years. Uh, Ecology Dive, which this year will be in Niles, Michigan, behind the Wonderland Cinema in the St. Joseph River. And uh, this year, earlier in the year, we had significant amount of flooding in the St. Joe River. Probably, you know, they like to call it a 100-year flood, but I'd say it was at least a a 40- or 50-year flood, if nothing else. So I'm. This will be the first time I've gotten in a river since the the flood's gone away. So I I'm expecting to see a whole lot of difference in the bottom and hopefully find some objects I haven't seen. And there's been some divers who've been getting in fairly regular, and they've been noticing that from week to week they're finding uh, items where they they hadn't been before. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, it'll be you know rain or shine as long as it's not lightning. Yeah, I think I think we'll skip the lightning. I got my fingers crossed. I'll have my uh, red rubber suit on so i'll feel pretty good about lightning well if you're in the water as long as it doesn't hit you in the head you know it dissipates pretty cool yeah i, I feel bad for the shore supporters we're handing them up pieces of steel yeah, well if it's flying and i bet the shore support is not going to be there yeah, taking the pieces of steel from your hand yeah that's like going around the golf course with what a seven iron or something up in the air <laughs> yeah don't 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 get mad at that shot right now We'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We have Derek and Eric so far, and uh, I'm noticing an absence of some of our regulars, and I wonder if they actually were able to fit in a uh, Thursday Thursday dive, or as I will call it this week, uh, staging items defined for the college dive. So, I didn't say staging. I would say maybe locating. Locating, positioning. Really- 
Yeah. Well, there's some good prizes from what I understand. Well, like I said, uh, it's no charge item, and I know we're going to have that. It's a, it's a used tank, but it's in great condition, fresh hydro, um, fresh VIP, and no dings that you can look at. Uh, we've got lift bags. We have um, dive bags and lined with uh, hand grips. we got a very nice set of fins with the uh, steel spring straps back. We've got um, oh, uh, gear bags. Uh, we have a net one, and we have our regular canvas. Yep, and I think you uh, four. You, yep, and you mentioned the full face snorkels. Yep, for uh, at least four, maybe six of the full face snorkels, and I've used them in the YMC up here, and they're rather nice. If you don't like chlorine in your eyes, this is the way to do it. But you know, we I think we've got more prices right now than we have known divers. Yeah, unless so. we have a bunch of people show up who we don't have a clue about. Everybody's going to get something. Yeah, so I, it's always good. Yeah, I got to get this uh, this voice and ear taken care of, and I'll be all set. So maybe at least even I can win something. I always I always feel like I find good items. I just don't. I usually because it seems to be extremes. Because we we give awards for the the largest, the biggest number, the most unusual, and I usually just find your average good finds. In fact, my very first ecology dive. I found the best milk bottle I've ever found. Uh, so, you know, if, if if that's all I get is uh, some good finds from the river, I'll be happy. Well, and again, one you forget is the heaviest. And when we did this, I mean, the key item, of course, is the mo, because that's the purpose. But a yeah. lot of times you're going to find something that weighs a ton, and you're going to waste all your time getting that up. <laughs> so you ought to get rewarded for it. Yeah, and the same thing. Some people are going to find that that darn handicap double door Porta potty, the, the porta john. That's, that's going to definitely win for the biggest. So they need to have something for that. And then the last one, we always like to have somebody who's not a diver judge because it's most unique, and that's in the eye of the beholder. And it's really sometimes you try to figure out what the heck was that person thinking. Yeah. Think that's unique. Yeah, but we're going to find out. Yeah, well, I mean, for somebody who's not diving and doesn't see all the crap that gets thrown in there, it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see what their perspective is. And uh, each year we, we pull, you know, well over a thousand pounds. We don't weigh it cause it's, it's a lot, but, uh, you know, the stuff that can be recycled goes onto a trailer, which goes to recycling and, you know, they'll actually cut you some, a check for the steel. And then the rest goes into a dumpster that the last few years, the city of Niles has provided. And then we have to do a shout out to Wolf's, uh, dive shop in Benton Harbor for some of the prizes that they've donated. Well, you can't do it without some extra support. Yeah. So and you, we did get some really nice press coverage. I didn't know if you saw the article in the leader no, from Niles in that area. Uh, they gave us almost a half a page or two-thirds of a page plus a picture. Well, And it's nice when we get that in advance. So if anybody's interested, they can head down. Because that's how people get interested in diving is they, see, is they hear about something going on. And who better to ask if you want to know about diving than people who are doing the diving. Right. And we have people who don't dive. but they can do shore. They yeah. want to go grabbing the shoreline, you know, you know, up to their waist or whatever. Go for it. Prizes are for them too. Well, let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. The first article we have is out of Austin, and I'm assuming they mean Austin, Texas. Seems to be they're discovering something that we have known for quite a while, which zebra mussels are a pain in the butt. Uh, the mussels are quickly making their ways their way into ponds, rivers, and lakes across Texas. 
and has become a new worry for Austin's water department. He said the mussels are now getting into the intake pipes. Officials in the water department said scuba divers found zebra mussels covering the filters of several water intake pipes. These pipes are responsible for getting water purified to make it into persons' homes. They said they're now monitoring the problem before it gets worse. In this case, we're looking at a restriction of our pipes and damage equipment if we don't stay ahead of this. Uh, This is uh, Murdad Murabi, operations manager for Austin's water department. He said uh, one of the screens protecting intake pipe in the water treatment plant in Lake Travis was halfway covered with mussels, making it difficult for water flow. He said another intake pipe filters with covered mussels at approximately 30%. He explained that if zebra mussels cover the filters and clog the pipes, reducing water pressure and forcing the city to increase its energy use. We've seen them on our water meters, equipment, even strainers that clean the water to cool the pumps. He said, although it is an immediate threat, if something isn't done, it could lead to a bigger problem. If we have any breaks, they'll take a long time to repair. That's why it's very important to stay ahead of this. The city will now start budgeting $212,000 each year for muscle maintenance that will include hiring scuba divers to clean the water intake pipes by hand. The challenge that we have with the zebra mussels having more than one spawning season, we need to continue inspections as well as monitor and set up the cleaning based on our water quality concerns. I wasn't aware there was even a season for spawning. I just thought the darn things just spawned continuously. Well, the issue, and they got uh, zebras. Their next baby is going to be the quagga. And the quagga will take over from the zebras. Like yeah, well, um, Zebras, well, you know that each little, well, I'll, I'll use quagga because I'm more familiar with them. Quagga muscle, slightly smaller, but they each of those can filter one liter of water a day. And Lake Michigan, in uh, and five years ago, they did their major survey. In a square meter, there were 35,000 quagamus per meter. So you figure that out, one liter per day times 35,000 in one square meter. That's why you can completely clean Lake Michigan. Maybe I think it's every three days now. And that's yeah. why the visibility there is so good. Yeah. So they're going to get a little bit of improved water quality if they've had a problem up till now. Uh, my rec- get yeah, what I would recommend is that they contact water departments in areas that have had quagga mussels for 10 years or more, just so they get an idea what to expect, because I, I think they probably need to start budgeting for capital improvements, because uh, you probably want to increase your water intake sizes just so the restrictions aren't as pronounced. Uh, has that been what they've done up here for the municipal intakes? Actually, they've actually had to have the divers go out and clean. Uh, the intake structures quite readily and have different type of screening systems, low-velocity heads to minimize their entrapment and coming back through the filters because at, uh, I'll use a couple of nuclear plants. They used one system of, you know, chlorination and then other chemicals to kill them as they brought the water into the forebay to circulate it. Over a couple of years, they were finding them everywhere in spite of all their Herculean efforts. So yeah. it's a constant problem of having to do the filtrations, change the filters all the time, and try to dump them out using the chemical chemical treatment. Yeah. So the, yeah, they're just in the beginning of this, so they're going to discover how much of a pain in the butt they are. They're asking people to make sure that they're uh, properly cleaning their boats and not transferring the zebra mussels to other parts. But you know, if it if it's got a foothold, it's just going to get worse and worse. But like that, I can't believe they would not contact the northern states. And say, what did you guys do? And uh, just 
you know, they're they're in for a, a rough ride. For- yeah. And then there's an angry mutant green crab. I guess it's more than one. The crabs destroying everything in their path. The crabs are from Nova Scotia, angrier than the already ornery green cousins in Maine. And they're migrating south. They've started to destroy the coastal ecosystem off the coast of Maine as they eat more than their share of soft shell clams, native eelgrass, according to researcher Marcus Frederick, a professor at the University of New England. What we're seeing is an insane level of aggressiveness, he told the Associated Press. Although the green crabs are related, they're genetically different from one another. The angry Nova Scotia crabs have the roots in northern Europe and have adapted to colder weather. While the uh, while slightly calmer ma- uh, Maine version came from the southern part of Europe, they first entered the United States in the mid-1800s, according to the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. After arriving in Maine in the 1950s, they caused a soft-shell crab population decline, then eventually made their way up to Nova Scotia. Green crab is most often confused with native helmet crabs and hairy shore crabs, the Department of Fish and Wildlife wrote on its website. The most distinctive feature is not its color, which can vary from reddish to dark mottled green, but the five spines and teeth on each side of the shell. There are three rounded lobes between the eyes, the latest pair of legs that's somewhat flattened. The carapace is broader than it is long and seldom exceeds three and a half to four inches. Lewis Logan, a University of New England graduate student, had the unpleasant task of labeling the crabs captured from Nova Scotia waters. For the research, the crabs were in no mood for games. At a distance of five feet, the pint-sized brutes assumed the fighting posture. Those that grabbed them were in no hurry to let go. Any time I went down to grab one, they were grabbing me instead, he wrote an email. One of them in particular would jump out of the water in its frenzy to attack. During the research, both sets of green crabs were unleashed from the bed of eelgrass, and the Canadian species destroyed it with Frederick comparing the damage to that of Edward Scissor's hands as they tried to look for marine organisms to eat. Green crabs have been known to be particularly disruptive to existing ecosystems. University of Washington has given some tips on what to look for and what to do if they are found. Additional studies will be done in the coming months to decipher whether the specific genes play a role in aggressiveness or a factor called hybrid vigors in play. The hybrid vigor theory suggests that crabs can be more aggressive as they establish themselves, but will eventually mellow out. Quarrelsome newcomers currently comprise only about 2 to 3% of the green crabs calling on the ocean floor off Maine, but those numbers are certain to grow. It will be an entirely different ball game, he predicted. It's just of when more of the crabs could come and outcompete the main green crabs. Eventually, the move, newcomers will move farther southward. We can't do anything about it. The only thing we do is learn how to live with it. And he's he forgot to ask the most important question, are they tasty? Did I lose you, Mac? Yeah, I think we we, we lost Mac. I'm, I'm waiting for him to reconnect. Mac's computer just died on him, so he's, gonna, he's trying to get it to start back up. Yeah, the, the electrons aren't happy. I'm waiting to see if Mac's going to be able to connect. We just might flip this episode across a couple nights. <laughs>